Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and we have the privilege of talking to people on this show that are building a more humane world from the inside out. Today, my guest here in the studio, coming all the way over from Mizzou, <laughs> is Dr. Pilar Mendoza, Associate Professor of Educational Leadership and Policy Analysis. <laughs> Hi, Pilar. Hello. Yes, glad you're here. Uh, Very happy to be here. This is my first experience in a, a radio studio. I'm fascinated by everything I'm seeing around here, and I'm uh, very happy and honored to be here. Thank you for the invite. Well, I'm glad that uh, one of my prior guests, uh, Teresa Metz, uh, over at the bridge. Isn't Teresa over at the bridge? Yes, the bridge is one of our newer initiatives in the College of Fed to foster uh, discussions around uh, diverse, diversity issues, equity and inclusion, and it's mm -hmm. a very active uh, space. Mm. Uh, very interesting of kinds of conversations that we have around issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. And Theresa is doing a fantastic job leading that initiative in the college. Mm -hmm. And I haven't visited there. It's uh, in, but it's in a around. building though. What's the, what, it's in Townsend Hall. Townsend Hall. Uh, one of the two buildings of the College of Education in okay. the second floor, and we are constantly having, uh, even the, inviting the community over to have all kinds of conversations around current issues. Uh, presenting students experiences research but just uh, what happens what is happening mm -hmm. in the world out there that has to do with issues of diversity equity and inclusion mm -hmm. so uh, you're more than welcome to check it out on the website the programming and mm -hmm. uh, it's open it's open and we try to also involve the community in the process is Townsend right next to Jesse or is it the one that faces Rollins it faces the alumni Reynolds Alumni Center uh, but also the back of Jesse Hall yeah okay yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. It used to be a school. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> well, I think I was there way back in the 70s okay. when I was doing my graduate work at Mizzou. Right. Okay. Yes. Renovated. Department of Education. All right, renovated, <laughs> updated. Well, Teresa had, had introduced us uh, online because uh, you're uh, part of a, another program that's coming to Mizzou, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll talk about that up front here, and then talk about you some <laughs> and then we'll probably get back and and remind people about the uh the visiting guest uh, professor and and the program that he is in yes. so tell us about this coming program in november so we're very excited to have uh, dr abadio green and that is his spanish name given to him really he is an indigenous leader from a community Cunadule, which is a community in panama and colombia they that's where they are uh his name I'm going to try <laughs> to say it. It's one of the longest words I've ever seen. But maybe it's something like, Mani Bing Ding Ya. He can probably say it better. But he is uh, an international figure in indigenous education. His career has been quite remarkable. He was the first indigenous person in Colombia to obtain a PhD. Mm -hmm. He was also basically the founder of the National Organization of Indigenous 
uh, rights in Colombia and mm-hmm. in the 70s. Today they have uh, really gained a lot of rights back, lands back, and they have a seat in the Congress, and oh. et cetera. So he was mm-hmm. very, has been very instrumental in leading those efforts. He's well known right now why he goes around giving talks uh, internationally is because of the indigenous program he has created with his colleagues, uh, which basically, it has 230 indigenous students, but what is unique about this program is that the students don't come to campus. That's that's a field trip for them. Instead, faculty go to the communities, oh, wow. to the indigenous okay. communities, mm-hmm. and it's all about rescue and ancestral knowledge, and, uh, and all the curriculum is based on how do we can rescue who we are, mm-hmm. and has been uh, very successful. They also have a master's student for non-indigenous, if somebody is interested oh. in learning about indigenous epistemologies and worldviews. Okay. Um, and this program has already started to be replicated in Guatemala as okay. well. Uh-huh. So Zid has gathered a lot of attention. He's going to come to visit us. Mm-hmm. We're very excited because he comes with a message of healing from mm-hmm. what has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. For indigenous, what happened in the past is not in the history books. It's very right. much an alive wound in, mm-hmm. in their lives. and. But the message is we do need to heal, come together, and work for the planet. Right. They are protectors of the lands and the waters. There's a group, that, that's the name of the group here. Uh, they identify themselves as those who protect the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And in these mm-hmm. environmental crises that we're having, right. I think there's much we can learn from them and mm-hmm. how to rescue the lands and the waters that we are pretty much uh, affected tremendously so right. he, he he had a lot of his work also has to do with that doesn't it have mother earth in the title of the program so the 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 program is the pedagogy of the mother earth yeah that's 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 the name of the program and and have, and, and pedagogy you know we're throwing around a big word here pedagogy <laughs> is well it, it's it's the way that not well I'm not in tread, but is the knowledge the way knowledge is transmitted? Okay, the way right? knowledge is transmitted uh, about Mother Earth. So the pedagogy of the Mother Earth, Earth, he developed uh, a way of teaching indigenous that is non-Western centered. Mm-hmm. It is centered in the epistemology of the indigenous communities themselves. The the epistemology, (laughs) come on, help us out. We're not in... Epistemology is how do we learn about reality. That's that's how we learn learn about about reality. reality. Ontology Mm -hmm. is what is reality. Epistemology is how do we learn about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the Western... Uh, inherited from the Greeks, rationality and Descartes and Newton, and and here we are with mm-hmm. the scientific method. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was the division between the East and the West. Yes, because the rest of the world that did not follow the Greeks and the Romans that spread mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and the scientific method and rationality mm-hmm. did not make that distinction of of myth and reason. Mm-hmm. Myth and reason and reason. Yeah, it mm-hmm. stayed together. And myth is not 
uh, a bad word. Myth no, is spirituality. Uh, so we in the West have divided that. Yes. Right. Church is here. School is there. Mm-hmm. Science is here. Beliefs are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are not the scientific method. Reduction. We've right. reduced we it. We have to... reduced it. Mm-hmm. So when I when the I have a opportunities to interact with with Dr. Abadio Green several times and I realize it's fascinating to me that in his the way he talks you can see that there's still that marry, marriage between spirituality and reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the knowledge that they have I keep making connections. Oh, yeah, psychologists say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sociologists would agree. Mm-hmm. Actually, my pediatrician told me that. About <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah. are sort of coming to the same conclusions through mm-hmm. the rationality scientific method, mm-hmm. but they have known it for centuries. Yeah. And then you look at him. He's, he's well in his 60s, and I cannot see a gray hair in him. Mm. <laughs> you say, well, they must be doing something right here. <laughs> of course, uh, the, he uses his um, knowledge of natural healing and medicine and his mm-hmm. lifestyle and the connection with nature. I think that's mm-hmm. a very key part for the health mm-hmm. he has, mm-hmm. that his community has. So I really think we have a lot to learn. Oh yeah. And then he tells you things that in the 70s, 60s, they took away acres, a lot of land from them, hmm. but because of the leadership and the, they have done fighting for their rights, they got them back, and they were completely destroyed. The, the, the deforestation oh. was everywhere, oh. but they're back. Now he's very proud to see we got our bush back. Okay. So with the, the same the plant ancestral kinds of knowledge that wonderful. they know how mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think that having opportunities for us to engage in meaningful dialogues mm-hmm. with indigenous. There's mm-hmm. two things that happens. is this, this piece of healing. Mm-hmm. The history is horrendous and we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. But also, how can we work for the environment mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and this is the message that he brings. And through the pedagogy of the Mother Earth, yes. you hear these messages. So, Sierra Club people would be most interested in coming to hear him talk or others that have this I, same developing concern for the environment, well, for the earth, for, as you see the flag here, yes, Mother I Earth love it. is flying. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, uh, the moment we, uh, the, uh, the center who, who I, that I uh, direct here at MISU, the, mm-hmm. the international, see they is the name in Spanish, but the International Research Center for the Development of Education is bringing him. He was in our partner institution in Bogota giving us a workshop. But the moment that I started talking, we want to bring him, mm-hmm. the interest at MISU has been tremendous from wonderful. multiple departments. Oh, so wonderful. we even raised money mm-hmm. <laughs> because to bring him. And a lot of departments pitched in. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about the religious departments, peace studies, linguistics, mm-hmm. of course, the division of, of diversity, equity, inclusion, the grad school, but pockets of faculty and students in the Kafner and the environmental world. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interested in talking to him. Mm-hmm. All the humanities around religious studies and philosophy are very interested in talking about him. Linguistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because it's an indigenous language. So so there are 63 uh, recognized indigenous languages in Colombia still alive. 
So this is something, another, another very important piece of why I care about this, and we can talk more about my work, is mm -hmm. it's to bring the world to the U.S. and the U.S. to the world. I, I work mm -hmm. a lot to, mm -hmm. to do that. And one of the things that I've noticed here in the U.S. is that Native Americans um, are very assimilated to the Western society, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think in, in other parts of the world, maybe in Alaska you still see some of that, uh, but in South America there is still a lot of indigenous people living the way they have lived for centuries, mm -hmm. always, mm -hmm. despite all the challenges. Mm -hmm. And and they are very uh, uh, careful about protecting who they are. Mm -hmm. Now part of that would be because they're either still in the land yeah. or yeah. they've rec reclaimed their land as you I say. think the mm -hmm. big factor is geography if mm -hmm. you ask me right. I think the open lands of the US has facilitated mobility mm -hmm. since since the settlers came mm -hmm. in in when you have the mountains Los Andes and the jungle mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a lot easier to stay it's actually for just only recently has been easy to travel so that has protected, mm -hmm, right. uh, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not an expert, but this is this is my, my right. observations that I see. Mm -hmm. And there are still some that haven't had any contact still in the Amazon, for example. Mm -hmm. So when I say that he is a, an indigenous person, I mean his community. Many of them still live the way they have lived. Right. Since then. Yeah, uh, he got introduced to yeah. education in a way that yeah. uh, was brought into probably Western right. to start with. Yeah, so that, and, uh, just, uh, and I have seen that, and I have a student also who is Maasai from Tanzania, and I hear mm -hmm. the same story. It's actually uh, unfortunate how they got a Western education, and many times has been through government initiatives of assimilation. Mm -hmm. the, the Catholic Church has, has had a lot of, of uh, uh, influence in that. So for, hmm. for Abadio Green in particular was, was priests that came to his community oh, okay. and basically inviting him to join the seminary. And uh -huh. so, okay. and that's his name, Abadio Green, is actually given by, as he says, the Spaniards and the Europeans. Yes. Uh, and that's why he uh, went to the seminary mm -hmm. and studied Bible studies mm -hmm. in the the Catholic. I don't know exactly why was the reason. Otherwise, he would have not had a right. Western education. Right. But that was the uh, La Universidad de Los Andes has a very strong linguistics departments, and mm -hmm. they were collaborating with some German scholars. Mm -hmm. And the moment they heard about him, uh -huh. <laughs> they got his hands on him and invited him to do a master's in linguistics. And mm -hmm. it was all about fascinating learning yeah. about the language, and that's how he ended up mm -hmm. studying and getting actual PhD in ethnic studies, mm -hmm. but always coming mm -hmm. back to his community. Yeah. That's what he's working on. This is reminding me of, of a news item last week, uh, probably NPR. Uh, they said that the first PhD uh, dissertation in the Quechua language okay. in Peru That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> has just uh, been published. So mm. evidently indigenous <laughs> peoples yeah. are again reclaiming in other ways. I yeah. think in my field in education I see a, a, a new movement towards among scholars like me, Western scholars, interested mm -hmm. in, in indigenous epistemologies mm -hmm. and you're starting to see more mm -hmm. uh, of that type of work. 
Dr. Green's dissertation is in Spanish. He hasn't been able, he had a heck of a time graduating <laughs> and publishing it and we're working on it. And here is the reason. The reason is that he refused to center his dissertation in Western knowledge. Oh. Therefore, it lacks of a literature review. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Because for yeah. him, it was that was not the point. Why would I'm going to center the analysis of the language of my people? I'm already writing in Spanish, which is a second language for me. Uh -huh. And you're asking me to cite all these <laughs> Western linguistics and whatever? He, he refused. Yeah. I have hundreds of tape recorders that I, from my ancestors, that I, I, I did them. That was his research. Mm -hmm. He, he did or yeah he, he did it yes in his dissertation right. he says that's my literature review right. because for us knowledge is in the ancestors right in the abuelos and it's it's verbal. not in the libraries in the books right this is my lit review mm -hmm. <laughs> so so uh, just to follow up on that is there a written it is language um of his indigenous So what community. I have learned, they don't have an actual alphabet uh, written language. I might mm -hmm. be wrong. They do have a language that is through art. So the knitting, mm -hmm. uh, they have this, uh, in Spanish they call mola. So so uh, the dresses and their uh, 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 how do you say that? Um, <laughs> textiles. Uh, textiles of all nature that they do. Okay. They, the, the patterns they use is their language. Ah. That's their alphabet. Okay. So not hieroglyphics, but a sort of a something that relates to hieroglyphics yeah. in every a picture language. Every shape, every color that yeah. you see in these tapestries, like on the wow. word, textiles, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. means something. Huh. And it's written, it's language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More like the Egyptians, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So their students. Fascinating. Their their thesis or mm -hmm. their grad their capstone works for graduating has to do with creating maybe mm -hmm. a tapestry that means something mm -hmm. as opposed to writing a thesis. Mm -hmm. So he had in learning Spanish uh, yeah. at the uh, monastery or where yeah. the school was. Then he was in his mind translating it on the spot that's that was that was yes well that was that was his dissertation he mm -hmm. did a linguistic analysis an analysis of his language mm -hmm. not only what it means in spanish but what it means in the worldview just as a way to portray the worldview of his Wonderful. community wow. it is a fantastic piece so i i have been talking we need to publish this or we're working in on english it. we need it in english and we, we can translate it in english we have thought about all this so <laughs> this is why the the faculty in linguistics right. are super excited right. about right. this and probably the people in textiles too and the, it really draws attention from all oh people, yeah you think about it oh yeah <laughs> yes. very as we sometimes uh, say right brain, left brain, it, it's very right brainish yes. in its creativity or imaging rather than it is. linear uh, and, left brain. And in his ways of communicating, because he will say things in, as they are, name them, mm -hmm. but the way he says is you cannot get mad at him. <laughs> because, and he, he says as I talk from the heart. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So we're not used to to this type of talk in the Western world the way he does. Ah, 
Okay. Uh, and, and he talks about how the therapy of hugging and how important mm-hmm. it is to hug the silence, the importance of silence, the porn. Uh, so, so it is a, a, a lot of lessons to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does talk about things, for example, that this institution I'm partnering with, we're going to talk about, is a Catholic institution. He knows the Bible very well because he was in the seminary. Ah, uh, <laughs> so yes. But he's also very critical in, of uh, Christianity and Catholicism because mm-hmm. simple things like, you know, our most important holiday was the 21st of December, the equinox. Mm-hmm. And then he says this. I'm going to say it. It doesn't sound because I don't have that ability to talk from the heart like he does. But he would say, but then this person, Jesus, was born the 25th. And then we cannot celebrate. <laughs> so, so, and he would say this in front of a priest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I noticed this interaction. And, and the priest was not... Uh, offended mm-hmm. and there was there was sincere talk from the heart and he's just masterful at doing it and say it as it is and nobody yeah. really can get upset with him well I <laughs> yes. think the priest was aware of Catholic history and right. how that date was picked because <laughs> of the and I the was 21st texting, of December I was texting my my PR co-director, oh, are we going, because I, we're in a Catholic institution, are we uh-huh. going to get in trouble? And then he says, but it's true. What do you want? He's <laughs> yeah. just saying the plain truth. Right. It's, no, I can't. It was just and capitalizing <laughs> on a celebration that was already going on, and uh, you know, the birth of the sun. Oh, the birth of the sun. Yeah. You know, so now, you know, it's, it's very yeah. interesting how yes. all of that has, still gets carried on, and, and so many people aren't clued into the history Uh, But the priests are. (laughs) Yes, yes. And then we we have another conversation about the meaning of black. And he says, you know, uh, white people, the colonizers, told me and told us that we should be uh, scared of black people. If we see a black person, I should run away. And he was saying that while holding hands with the dean of the College of Aid, who is black. <laughs> so very close to him and looking at him. This is what they told me about your people. But he was like very, this is the way he tells And then he says, but I'm going to tell you what black means in my community. Oh. He says, he says, black is Mother Earth, is the beginning, is the womb. The mm. womb is the happiest, most safe mm. uh, place in the world, mm. the best one. That's black for us. Mm. Yeah, black is the, the origin. The we all grass. come from Africa. <laughs> what color is the most fertile soil? Right. I was going to say, yeah, right. Beautiful. I love it. Was it was beautiful. And it was this moment. I just couldn't believe it. I was listening. And I have a picture of this. <laughs> yeah. But he started by saying this, what Westerner who told him, and I should yeah. run away. But for us, it's the most beautiful mm. Peaceful, loving yeah. color because that's the womb mm. where everything starts. I'm melting. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Dr. Pilar Mendoza, <laughs> you're uh, you're telling us about a man that's coming to visit in November. Can November. you give us some dates yes. on uh, what's so happening? And his main lecture is going to be on November 19 at 6:30 p.m. We chose that uh, time, hoping that uh, folks from the community who work can come as well. Mm-hmm. This is going to be in Bush Auditorium, 
in Connell Hall. So this is the, the, the School of Business, who is oh. also helping us with okay. the sponsorship mm -hmm. with this event. Mm -hmm. uh, 6.30 November 19, he's going to talk about his program, The Pedagogy of the Mother Earth. Oh, wonderful. And what day of the week is that? That's, that's a Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, it's open to the public? It's open to the public, free. Mm -hmm. All right. We want everybody to come. It's yes. an amazing experience. And uh, um, he will be here for a couple of days. So he'll be here, and he will be meeting with, uh, he's going to be uh, visiting a class mm -hmm. uh, on extinction, for example, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, an honors class, and meeting with students and faculty from various departments that are very excited to meet him and learn mm -hmm. about him. Yeah. Yes, and also with four directions. And we're hoping that uh, the Waters and Land Protectors groups here on in Colombia mm -hmm. can also have a, a space to meet with him. He hasn't been in the U.S. very much. He has been mainly in Canada, mm -hmm. Europe, Latin America. He has been in Washington, uh, more like uh, a <laughs> fighting for right, indigenous rights. So that has been his experience in the U.S. Mm -hmm. That was like 20 years ago that he had to come here and oh, wow. basically be in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and so this is going to be the first time he's in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, welcomed by everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's very important. And there's a group in Oklahoma, the Cherokee Nation, is very interested in and also bringing him and mm -hmm. talking about his his pedagogy of the Mother Earth program. Mm -hmm. So hopefully next year we were thinking about bringing them the same visit both locations. It didn't work out, but the idea is that he will come back mm -hmm. to Oklahoma to talk with the Cherokee Nation. That are very interested mm -hmm. in, in talking to him. So is he? A, uh gotten English as a third language or is he as he a translator? Speak, he doesn't speak English. Okay. So we have a few of us <laughs> bilingual who would be all the time. Uh, but uh, in my, as, as we talk more, I've done that several times to mm -hmm. be these uh, cultural mm -hmm. and language translators. So I'll be with him, mm -hmm. uh, with with my GA who is from Colombia as well, facilitating the translation of all. Which will help you talk more from the heart because you will you be know, translating I, his heart. He pushes me. <laughs> he really pushes me. <laughs> he really makes me feel very Western. <laughs> and now with him, I, I, uh, yes, I'm, yeah. I'm working on it to be able to truly talk to the heart like what he does. Wow. Well, we all, we all <laughs> I are, think we huh? all need to learn that. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, Pilar, we're going to take uh, a station break and... Uh, then when we come back, uh, I would like to learn a little bit more about you as well, because you have quite a journey yourself <laughs> from uh, Colombia. Yes. Okay. okay. We'll thank be back in just a moment. Okay. Thank you. Welcome back to Glocal News and Social Artistry. And we are living exactly what that word glocal means in this conversation <laughs> with Dr. Polar Mendoza here. You had mentioned that one of your goals is to bring one culture to another culture and the local culture here into yeah mm -hmm. which is the local global it's Absolutely. all kind of yes we use that term global in our 
purpose statement of the Center Act. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, you're right at home. We'll have, maybe have and to co-host. And in Spanish, too, we say it. Glocal and glocal. Glocale. Glocal. Global oh, local. Glocal. Glocal. It's the same glocal. word, so it actually works in both Just languages. to emphasize the glocal. <laughs> Perfecto mundo. No problema. <laughs> well, you were born in uh, Colombia, Bogota. Bogota? Yes. Okay, yes. which is the capital, isn't it? Yes, and we just elected the first uh, female mayor two days ago. Yes, I did very, see that very, news uh, item. Yeah, yeah, she breaks a lot of molds, so this is very exciting. Yes, yeah. she's, uh, she's uh, uh, gay and She's gay, female. and she's also, I would middle, lower, I mean, she doesn't come from the elites, as this happens. So she's, she's basically three molds that she's breaking yeah. <laughs> by being elected. Bogota is one of the most important cities in Latin America, mm. quite honestly, mm-hmm. economically, culturally. So, mm-hmm. so this is fantastic. This is fantastic. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and you, uh, did you go, do your first schooling, college yeah. there? So I, I was born Something in, about physics. Where did that yeah. I know. <laughs> We'll get to that. <laughs> So, so I have been in many cultures, and that includes from physics and education. That's a cultural shock, too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned, yeah, you're familiar with the physics world and the education world, and you can see there's, as you know, culturally, I think my biggest cultural shocks I've experienced has been moving disciplines more than moving countries. Oh, if you ask. well, fantastic. that's fascinating. Where <laughs> yeah. was your physics? So, uh, so, so, but so, just a little bit of, of so, you see that that story. So, I was I was born and raised in Bogota in in the seventies. That's where I was born, and all my family uh, from Colombia and I'm from Bogota, and Bogota in, in the seventies and eighties is and eighties is was very different from today. It was really a third world country in, in many ways. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. Co- Colombia has developed tremendously in the last twenty years. So I, I grew up in a country that had uh, a problem with with the guerrilla. So we were in the the war, mm-hmm. civil mm-hmm. war, narc, uh, Pablo Pablo Escobar world. Uh, Poverty, deep poverty, I always mm-hmm. see around me. Uh, I was very privileged, so in Bogota, mm-hmm. uh, but every day I had to see uh, really difficult situations in the streets, mm-hmm. children in the streets, violence in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was my upbringing wow. to, to see that. And then when I was 12 or so, my family, my mother and stepfather, got the opportunity to study in Barcelona in Spain. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So we went to Spain in a boat, <laughs> a cargo mm-hmm. ship, uh, from Cartagena to Rotterdam. So I was 12, 13 years old. I was 13 days at sea. Uh, and it was so the you first go time through the canal? The we went through the canal. Uh-huh. And so it was not a cruise. All right, we, we, we just knew the so the the CEOs of the of the cargo company that say it was free. Hey, come along like if we were family of the officers. Uh-huh. And it was magical, one of the most amazing experiences. There was nothing to do but we didn't want it to get out of the boat. There's something magical about mm. being at sea. Mm. So from that environment to Amsterdam, that's where we landed. The yeah, the boat landed in Amsterdam. In okay. mm-hmm. 
and then take the train in Paris and in an, in Barcelona. When you're 12 or 13 years old, and you start seeing those differences, right? Mm-hmm. It was very powerful mm-hmm. uh, to for the first time me leaving the country. And I lived in Barcelona for three years. So I did middle school in Barcelona. Okay. So, you know, middle school is the most tender years of identity development, yeah. right? You, you are who you are because of what happened in middle school, pretty much. Seemingly, yeah. Bad or good, but it formed you. So that was my years in Spain. There's a lot of discrimination against Sudacas or South Americans in, in Spain. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yes. Venezuela. And, okay. All, mm-hmm. all the colony, colonies. Okay. I mean, the Spaniards sure. are the colonizers, right? right. I mean, they, they and the British were ruling the world at some point, mm-hmm. right? And the French a little. Bit. The French try very hard, not <laughs> as much as the Spaniards <laughs> the British accomplish, but yes, of course. Um, so for the first time that I experienced discrimination, right, ah. in Barcelona. Oh. Um, and I had to learn another language because they speak Catalan. Now, right now, they're, so they're trying to have, they have been fighting for being their own country forever, and now it's getting more here than usual. So uh, most of the, of, the, of the classes were in Catalan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's similar to Spanish, it's not difficult, but still I had to, as a very tender age, mm-hmm. leave my friends away in Colombia. There was no internet, there was no texting, there was nothing, right. little I would get letters in the mail. So mm-hmm. that shaped me because mm-hmm. when I came back, in high school, I was not Colombian either. I, I was, <laughs> I had a span. It was on the boat again. We took the yeah. boat back again. It was cool. another thirteen uh-huh. days on the way, way back, but I was not uh, speaking. I had an accent. I was speaking like a Spaniard. <laughs> they were making fun of me. So I was, since I was in a very tender age, I never really belonged to. I was fully Colombian. No, I was fully Spanish. No, mm-hmm. neither. So I was always navigating these Mixed. migrant of spaces, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, I was very interested in physics since elementary school, the sun, since all my life. Fascinated with? Physics. Physics, and astronomy oh. Astronomy oh, and the okay. sun. Oh, yeah. It started off since I was in elementary school. Mm. Uh, when I was 12, I read Carl Sagan, that's why. And I'm <laughs> a child of Carl Sagan. I think we're probably thousands of us who completely fell in love with Carl Sagan's Cosmos series. So mm-hmm. I was one of them. Uh-huh. And since I finished reading his book, I was 12 years old, about to go to Spain. Wow. I said, I'm going to do physics. It's all what I wanted. I asked mm-hmm. when I wrote to Carl Sagan. <laughs> I wrote to Stephen Hawking. I did all that jazz. I had a mm-hmm. telescope when I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a calling. I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else mm-hmm. but to study the universe. Right. And this planetary consciousness that you introduce in your program, mm-hmm. I have always seen myself mm-hmm. like that for two mm-hmm. reasons. Because I've traveled so early. Wow. Right? Yeah. And then I ha- that my, my, I don't know, my inspiration for, for the cosmos. So I always... Mm-hmm. Never quite understood why we fight with each other instead of taking yeah. care of our planet. I just, for me, it has been very difficult to get my head around yeah. in my life. And a lot of the work I did today is about why don't we just work together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work. It's a little blue dot. It's, it's just, <laughs> and it helped. And this is what I do. I think that helped to create consciousness of, mm-hmm. of peace, world peace, when mm-hmm. we had that image from. Yeah, you're talking from, about yeah. the. Earth flag that's yeah. in a window here. Yes. you're looking at as you. I know. I, I keep making yeah. references. I think, of course, you're <laughs> yeah. not seeing that. So, 
So I, I so I had those two things going on, physics right. and the world, yeah. and and cultures and experiencing being different, a minority coming from uh, a privileged background in mm -hmm. Colombia, but you go to another spaces and it's not quite mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came when I came back, when I was in Spain, uh, I went to England to study English for three weeks. You know, I stayed with the family. My mom was able to send me. And I went in, uh, to the University of Cambridge and I saw the original writings of Einstein. And, and you know, the, the museum would have all the originals, whatever, of Newton. And, yeah. mm -hmm. and I was there and there was a physics professor from the University of Cambridge. I was 15 years old, convinced that everything I wanted to do in life was to study physics and be a physicist. Wow. And I told him that. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he said, and this is one of the most vivid memories I have from from, from being a teenager. Mm -hmm. You wanna be a physicist, right? Hmm, well, no dating for you, no family, no children. You can't do both things. Oh, wow, <laughs> what a statement. Tell, well, uh, I, I still remember. <laughs> tell Stephen Hawking that, you know. <laughs> but, and I said, Family, really? kids. <laughs> and so that's where my conflicts started. What are you talking about? Yeah. But that was the beginning of the struggles in physics mm -hmm. right so as i moved up in high school i went to college i studied to study physics there was no women <laughs> mm -hmm. surely right. Right. all faculty were men mm -hmm. surely uh, my I, wife has a master's in physics yes yeah. so she will tell you that you have to basically my social group became males mm -hmm. and when i was in college i met incredibly smart people super brilliant people from my perspective all men but i think my self-esteem really starting to hurt mm. i think i, I started to really have self-doubts of whether i could do it mm -hmm. uh, and i was even though i loved physics i never felt i could give 100 percent of my potential mm -hmm. academic potential to it and i didn't know quite why I still got my bachelor's, did a thesis. I still got in to the UMass Amherst as a PhD student in physics mm -hmm. with a TA. You know, it's not that I was, but I was just making it. I was not f fully reaching my potential. Mm -hmm. When I got to the US, so two things happened. One, again, I found cultures. I mm -hmm. loved it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> because going back to my early experience, those things, have been parallel to me. Mm -hmm. So when I got to UMass Amherst, I refused to hang out with the Latins. You know, like all international students tend to hang out with their own. I refused. Mm -hmm. My group was the Pakistanis from India, and I love it. I just wanted to learn about the cultures. Mm -hmm. I always have the social science bugging me. Yes. And then I got here, and that chilly climate for women got even worse because here in the US, I had a very poor English. <laughs> and the, the cultural barriers mm -hmm. and a department of 40 faculty, all men, mm -hmm. white man, and me <laughs> surrounded by all these American students or German mm -hmm. and just a few females there and there. Mm -hmm. It was very intimidating. Oh, yeah. I remember not even, I didn't, never went to an office hours with faculty. I just couldn't go and talk to them. I just felt so intimidating mm -hmm. to start mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. so, so of course that, affected more and starting to affect my academic performance, Yeah. right? And, and another thing happened. I noticed that all the science that was being done 
was being done, applied physics that would eventually lead in some sort of product for a company, economic development driven. Mm -hmm. And so physics, you know, it's is that where you can do theoretical physics, which is closer to mathematics, philosophy, and the humanities, mm -hmm. or applied physics, which is engineering, really, mm -hmm. in the daily life. I'm, I'm nothing, I, that's not me. Mm -hmm. So this, there was no research, no funding, no opportunities to do pure science. Uh -huh. That was the other realization. So yeah. both things yeah. said, I can't, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, very difficult for me. But I said, this is wrong. Yeah. We need to work for more inclusion in the academy. We need to work for the protection of knowledge, <laughs> for the public right. space, for opportunities for minorities. Right. And that's when I found the field of higher education. Mm -hmm. And I changed to do my doctorate at UMass Amherst and found my advisor at that time, the first faculty I talked to, and I said these things, this is wrong. <laughs> we need to work for more inclusion in mm -hmm. the in the academy. I'm in physics and I'm experiencing this. He loved it. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in the U.S. especially, somebody believed in me. And, and, and understood. understood me. Yeah and said, this is good, Pilar. I, I said, I wanna do a master's in higher, no, you're gonna do a doctorate. And he was always pushing me. Mm -hmm. We're gonna send this paper to a conference. I'm like, really? Yes, this is good, Pilar. And he finally sort of rebuilt my confidence <laughs> that I actually, actually right. can do good work. Right. And my career skyrocketed mm -hmm. because that mentoring that, mm -hmm. and that support that he had. And he's a white male, yeah. he's a fantastic man. Mm -hmm. And he has gone to Bogota about seven times now mm -hmm. because we, we became colleagues, friends, yeah. starting right. from my wedding. I still work with him it, and I'm very grateful. That it really shows the power, the power one person, of one person. One person. It was well-connected. Mm -hmm. He's the dean of the UMass Boston nowadays. Mm -hmm. Well-connected. He has all the capital as a white male, right. successful in academia, and he just put me, plugged me in, groomed me, and has supported me all the time. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I don't think I would have made it yeah. without him. But, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful story. Yeah. So you get uh, somehow connected back to Bogota and this center that yeah. is developed uh, through the Catholic Church. There. Yeah, so so when I was confident enough about, oh, I'm going to make a tenure, because <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I had to do publishing in the American Centered Scholarship in, mm -hmm. in, because you need to make it. And But I always wanted to work with international work and with mm -hmm. Colombia. How can I do that? So mm -hmm. in 2011, when my career was finally at a place where I could afford to relax a little bit of the demands of publishing and all this, I, I went back to my alma mater where I got my physics degree, but to the faculty, to the College of Ed, not to physics. I just go and visit, but not very much. Had you met and the Canadian yet? Oh, we met in grad school. Oh, okay. <laughs> just the engineer, the engineer Canadian is my husband nowadays. So that that uh, we met uh, in grad school. We have been At together Amherst. since two thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's Canadian, mm -hmm. uh, from from North Toronto by the lakes, rural mm -hmm. Canada. And we married, we have two beautiful children. Uh, he doesn't speak English, Spanish, but we are raising our kids bilingual regardless. Mm -hmm. So that also added to my whole international outlook mm -hmm. because Indeed. in a daily life, 
I have cultural clashes with him at home. It's <laughs> daily. <laughs> no, I have been here in the U.S. for 20 years, and it's amazing in a relationship, in a marriage, ways of communicating patterns. Mm -hmm. It is like a window to the little details and nuances mm -hmm. of cultural differences mm -hmm. that magnify when you have children because wow. you want to educate your children the way you were raised. <laughs> and we, I'm urban, Bogota, he is rural Canada. <laughs> English. It, it, it is. It, so we have, we, we're still married, gone strong, you know, it hasn't been easy because, but at the same time, we have been able to give our children, uh, we travel to both countries every year. Mm -hmm. We try to make it equal. Mm -hmm. My kids go to preschool and camps in Bogota, and they also go and do the Canada thing. Mm -hmm. And I never speak in English to my children. My husband doesn't understand <laughs> what I'm saying to my children most mm -hmm. of the time, but he's mm -hmm. okay. And that's, that's his contribution. That is. It's a big contribution to you. He just trusts that it's okay and mm -hmm. step by. He understands a lot more now after my sure. daughter has 10 years old now. Uh, but that's another the where I bring in cultures together even at home. Yeah. So, so I went back to Colombia to work summer classes in the university, my alma mater back at home. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, we notice how the ed leadership in Latin America and most of the world, there, there isn't a profession behind it. Like we have an ed leadership department in most colleges of education. If you want to be a principal, you need to get a state certification and take our classes. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist down there, really. Educational leadership doesn't didn't exist in maybe Columbia. a master's here, master's there, but mm -hmm. but not really. So there isn't a body of knowledge supporting at leadership and policy, both in K-12 and higher ed, in most of the world, actually. So a lot of that is imported from the U.S., <laughs> the models that mm -hmm. do not apply. They don't have residential halls in Colombia, for example. Uh. In Latin America, so a lot of the work of student efforts, I know that is based on the idea of residential life in colleges. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. That, that realization was we need to create a contextualized a contextualized knowledge to guide ed leadership. Mm -hmm. And with colleagues, we pitched that idea to the Ford Foundation, oh. and, and they liked it with, with La Universidad de los Andes. Mm -hmm. of, it's true, how can we do that? How can we bring together the few academics doing research that is relevant, that they talk to each other, and we stop this importing knowledge from the global north, and mm -hmm. especially the US. So that was 2011. Fast forward, we did a study of what was happening, what were the needs of higher ed in Latin America. Uh, equity access is, is a problem, it's a huge problem. Retention mm -hmm. and, and quality, equity, access. Equity and access. Yeah, uh -huh. it's very elitist. Yeah. Uh, the education, the access to higher education, serious problems of quality, like here, but worse. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> so. We said we found an institution, which is the one we work with, who the goal is to serve marginalized low-income students. That's their job. Uh, they are in all the region in Colombia. Colombia in the middle of a civil war that supposedly has ended. Well, it's complicated. We're in a better place. We're absolutely in a better place. Uh, but there's a lot of regions that doesn't have state presence. But okay. this university was there. 
oh. providing education through centers. They have campuses that is the largest in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a Catholic institution. Mm-hmm. But because of that idea of, of not being in the capital for the elites, but throughout for low income, that's the type of higher education we need for the development All of the right. country. So we knock doors. Mm-hmm. And we speak the same language. Mm-hmm. It's all about education for community development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we created a center with them, with the College of Ed. I'm talking about 2018. So the conversations 2011 started for a grant, gave us the opportunity to mm-hmm. come up with a plan, found a partner. 2018, we were signing an MAU between the College of Education and this institution. And we have this wow. center. Two things happen. One. Uh, that I've always noticed, there's a lot we can learn from the mo- what they do mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of serving uh, rural communities, marginalized populations, community development. So we wanted the center to be a two-way learning process, not just let's develop knowledge further at leadership, but what can we at Missouri, at, in the U.S., can learn from what we do. So that's one of the key aspects of the center. Mm-hmm. I value our, our speaker, Dr. Green, was in Uniminuto, we're bringing him here to have the same experience. So we're mm-hmm. trying to do parallel projects in both mm-hmm. locations to learn from mm-hmm. each other. So Uniminuto is the name in Spanish for the center in... Uniminuto is the abbreviation. La universidad right. Minuto de Dios. So what is that? Minuto of God. de Dios. <laughs> yeah, Minuto Dios, of God. Dios, yes, that's God. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So it's Catholic. So how, how is that? Well, first of all, Latin America is, is a huge Catholic um, uh, continent, traditions, yeah. and, and a Catholic education is very strong in the continent. Now, these uh, particular community, Odistas, I don't know, the Odistas community, they're a small they are they are very liberal and uh, progressive, like the Jesuits. There was a priest, sort of like if you go there, uh, you will feel more like um, theology of liberation type of work that they do. Uh, mm-hmm. Very progressive. Mm-hmm. So in the sixties, it was this priest, uh, Gabriel Garcia Reros, and he was a visionary. So he started by providing housing, like. Uh, Habitat for Humanity type of work back in the 50s. He would go hmm. to to uh, places where uh, displaced people come to the cities and just mm-hmm. li- literally were Barrios living in, in, yeah, in yeah. carton, houses made of cartons, and he will literally yeah. build houses for them. I, I got to visit Lima, Peru in 64. Uh, oh, so you know what I'm so, talking You know what I'm talking mile about. mile after mile of these. Yes, mountains. They take over yeah. the entire mountains. Mm-hmm. So so he was one of the first who started to develop the idea of fundraising. But well, this is the 60s. Nobody was doing it. He mm-hmm. will literally ask people to the wealthy people in the country yeah. to build. And he creates sort of banquet the, of the millions. So it was very expensive, the 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 to go to the to the event just to have a chicken soup, but that's right. it. But it was all fundraising. He developed an entire neighborhood, and he was given it for free to families. It was mm-hmm. then he decided the neighborhood needs a school, so he founded a school and the museum and the library, and we need a university. Mm-hmm. And the other th- the thing that he did, he was into radio. Ah. He was a radio guy, so he uh, managed to get prime time one minute every day 
Colombia's national channels were three at that time, mm -hmm. all right? And he said, I want a, an hour <laughs> to talk about <laughs> poverty and why we need to develop and talk to the rich and the, say, oh no, we cannot, we can give you one minute. So Un minuto. That's el minuto de Dios, that's the minute <laughs> of God. Uh, that started in the 70s, is still airing until today. He wow. died, but but yeah. somebody else is doing it every day, weekdays, at 7 p.m., wow. national television, El Minuto de Dios. And it's one minute where he, he, he does a praise, but mainly it's about social consciousness development, wow. is what he does. And a lot of the money yeah. comes from that space that, that he minute. created. And it was one man. And it's iconic. I grew up seeing El Minuto de Dios as a child every day on TV. Yeah. And nowadays, La Corporación, the corporation he has created, has businesses, it, uh, but community development, grassroots type of entrepreneurship for social innovation, community development, hmm. housing. Uh, they have 12 schools. They have 130,000 students in their, in their system, university mm -hmm. system spread throughout the country. And they have won five awards from IFC for social innovation. Mm -hmm. So they're world recognized, and now they are in uh, Africa, in Costa de Marfil, um, Ivory oh, Coast. Oh, Ivory Coast. Ivory okay. Coast. Mm -hmm. he's wor they are working with their government to mm -hmm. implement the same model. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the institution we're working in. Wow. Uh, they are so much to learn from they them. They are amazing. Yeah. And just to tell you how liberal they are, they have two things. There's a Christ in the middle of the plaza mm -hmm. on campus is, is naked. It's a naked Christ. He put that in the 60s. It's still there. <laughs> it's still standing there. And, I, and he said, I don't care. This is what, let's be real. This yeah. is how it happened. Yeah. To and tell you how uh, revolutionary he was and the Center for Bible Studies was I the, I know the director he said you know we have yeah nuns Catholics but we have Protestants we have atheists mm -hmm. we don't care anybody who wants to come and learn about the Bible they're all our students mm -hmm. and we wonderful yeah, yeah. <laughs> well speaking of all of this work that Mizzou is doing with uh, Colombia uh, one of your colleagues is also from Colombia, is that correct? Gabrielle Malfatti? Yes, you know Gabrielle, yes. So she has she been used to be on, she was on this program. She has been there here too. Yeah, with yeah, Teresa. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. She is from Cali, yes. She has been in Minuto about two, three times, given all this work that, mm -hmm. that we're doing with them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, well, that's, I, I think, about 50 faculty and administrators have gone already minuto, through ah. all this association like Gabriel has gone two or three times the dean mm -hmm. went as well and saw the social innovation that they do there mm -hmm. our director of international the international center director both Jim Scott and Mary Stengmuir were have been there in the last mm -hmm. two years wow. for me that's probably one of the biggest accomplishments and mm -hmm. I have all, all also be able to bring people from from there, there here. to here, yeah. less because it's more difficult. Really? About ten, like Dr. Green's coming, and yeah, and others. It's all right. It's all about having this exchange and opportunity. Local. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're about out of time, so we want to remind people that in November they'll be hearing about a opportunity to see Dr. Green yes. 
uh, on a uh, Tuesday night in the 19th. It will be announced. Yeah. It's part of the Native American Heritage Month and International Education Week programming. Mm-hmm. You will see it. It will be announced in, in the media uh, from now on. All right. And it will hope to see you there. Yeah. Thank you. This has been <laughs> fascinating. And Thank the you. color of the soil. Yes. Mother Earth, black. All right. Don't you love that? Thanks, Pilar. <laughs> You're welcome. What a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, folks. Uh, and remember, uh, wherever you are, that is your world. Uh, please leave your world cleaner, uh, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.